All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to New Life Church. So glad you guys are with us this morning. How many of you enjoyed our worship so far today? Praise God. Who's glad it's Christmas sock time, Christmas season? Yeah. I know you might not all be ready for it yet, but it's here. And so, you know, we kind of take these first few weeks of, uh, of the month leading up to Christmas to begin to prepare our hearts and to begin to prepare our minds and to get our thoughts right. Because sometimes we have to be intentional in order to focus and have our attitude and our heart in the right place. Sometimes it doesn't just happen automatic, uh, you know. We have to be intentional about our entering in to this season, especially in our day and time with this world and the fast pace of how things run and the hustle and bustle and everybody's telling you to go here and go there and be here at three places at once. I know it's a lot, it's a lot to contend with and that's why one reason we don't like to overload uh, as a church with a lot of different events and programs and things. We try to try to take advantage of just of, of right before, you know, a couple of weeks before, uh, like tonight with our special family Christmas. So I really hope, from me to you, I really hope you can make it back out and uh, at 5 p.m. And, and be here for that special service tonight as we celebrate Christ together once again. Well, listen, let me invite you to open the Word of God today to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be hanging out today for a few minutes. And... Um, we just, if you're, if you, have, you weren't here last week, we just started a Christmas series. It's called The Light of Christmas, hence the video you saw earlier, The Light of Christmas. And, you know, the thing about this time, about our world right now, we, we're all exposed to the darkness in our world, to the difficulties, to the injustices, to, to things that, um, that are just painful to a lot of people, a lot of things going on in our world. A lot of contention in our own country, a lot of different things. But here's the thing that we need to make sure we remember and that we practice and that we be bold in living out, and that is Jesus Christ is on the throne. And He is never going anywhere. He is never going to vacate His premises of being the King of the universe. There's no man big enough, powerful enough, smart enough, rich enough, who can overtake his throne. So you need to remember that, that if you're going to put faith in anything, put faith and stock in Jesus Christ. And that's why we take this time to take a little special attention and put on the star of Bethlehem, Christ, and make sure we point our life in his direction. You know, in his, his light, his light brings so much light and so much clarity to our, to our dark world. And you know what? Occasionally, it's, it's good that we have some refreshing experiences with Christ and His love and His light that He brings because sometimes our own hearts can deceive us, the Bible says. Sometimes our own hearts can get the best of us and there can be a little cloudiness and darkness that take place in us and we have to have some fresh encounters, fresh experiences with the light of Jesus Christ. So that's why we're talking about what we're talking about, the light of Christmas. And you know, really, that's what was going on when the Christ child came, when Jesus first came, when he was born. As I just read the scripture in John 1:14, he became human and made his home among us. There was a period of about 400 years that God's people experienced darkness in the sense that they didn't hear God's voice. 
There were no prophets speaking. There was no one giving any kind of insight, any kind of, any kind of direction from heaven. It was just that period of silence until the New Testament, until Jesus came as a baby born in a manger. And we're, gonna, we're looking in this series, we're looking at a couple different experiences of these people. Last week we looked at Mary. We looked at Mary's experience from the Gospel of Luke. And we looked at how her experience was really one about her opening up her heart. Today we're going to look at Joseph, her counterpart, her other half, Joseph. You know, when you think of the birth of Jesus, most times we think of two very important people, Joseph and Mary, right? So we're going to look at Joseph today. Let's read our text here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You can follow along on the screen, and then we're going to pray for a minute. Matthew 1, 18 says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Praise God. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, the prophet of Isaiah, who said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today and what this season holds and what it means. And right now as we open your word to hear your voice, what do you have to say? God, as, we, as Mary did, may we do today, open our heart to receive. But also, God, may our hearts be open in a way to give this season. Give gifts of love, encouragement, physical, material gifts. But may we give the gift that hits the heart, the gift of love. And Lord, today we open our lives to you and ask you to speak to us and ask your blessing on this time. May you be honored and may you be glorified in our gathering this day. May every life be touched. May every soul be encouraged. May everyone experiencing a hardship find your faithfulness involved. May every heart be lifted up and every countenance upon our face point towards heaven and truly know that is where our help comes from. We honor you, we thank you, and thank you for being here with your wonderful 
heartwarming and life-changing presence. In Jesus' name, the church say amen. Amen. I've titled today's message in this series, Make Room. Make Room. We're going to be looking here at Joseph and what he did to make room in his life for Jesus. You know, as part of God's plan to bring salvation to mankind and to bring the light of Jesus into the heart of humanity, it included in his plan a person by the name of Joseph. He was a young carpenter. Joseph had his plans, Joseph had his life, Joseph was engaged, Joseph had a dream, Joseph knew what he wanted, but then God stepped in and said, hey Joseph, I got a little bit of a change up for you. And Joseph found himself in a predicament, he found himself in a, at a crossroads, what do I do? And, and really the story about Joseph is this, as Mary's was about opening her heart, Joseph's is about making room making room. And you know, the, the thing is, it's the same for you and I today to make room in our life for Jesus because let's face it, let's just be honest, our life can get cluttered, right? Our thoughts can get cluttered, our hearts can get cluttered, our lives can get cluttered, and we can get flat out busy and we can forget, hey, this is about Jesus. This life I live, really, it's about Jesus and making room for him. Look at this statement on the screen. It says this, says that if we must be willing to make room in our life for Jesus, if we want to receive and radiate the light of Jesus Christ, if we want to be people who can receive what Jesus can bring and give what Jesus can bring, then we have to make room in our life for more of Jesus. It only not only starts at the prayer of salvation and surrender, but it's a journey, it's a process that takes place over our life. And we begin to discover decade after decade, year after year, season after season, there's a lot of things that bid for our attention, that fight for our devotion, that want our affection and want room in our life. But really the one who should have all room in us is Jesus. For Consider this in, Matthew, in um, Luke's story in chapter 2 that talks about the birth of Jesus. It said that Mary and Joseph went to their hometown and the time came for Jesus to be born and they looked for a place to, to have him and they looked for this hotel and guess what? It said there was no room for him in the inn. I mean, can you imagine that hotel missed out on a, on a huge marketing campaign? I mean, if they would have just got one room, it might have just been the one bedroom, uh, one little, little bed and and one little little place to wash their face. And, but if they would have had that little room open, and they, what they discovered later, the history that unfolded, Jesus was born not in a hotel. He was born in a manger. But I think God kind of planned it that way, don't you think? Because he was not going to allow mankind to get credit and to have any part with Jesus coming into this world. Oh, he used natural people, he used humans, but here's the thing, man, they had to adapt their life to what God wanted. But that hotel missed out. They had no room. And that's a question for you and I, do we have room in our heart and in our life for Jesus? Not just that sweet little baby Jesus, not just that sweet little 
thing that we worship on Christmas and that ideology of Jesus. Now I'm talking about the real person of Jesus, the unfailing love and faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the one who takes second to none, who only has first place, and who is never last to anybody, that Jesus. Joseph was in that place. He had to make some decisions. I like what C.S. Lewis says. This is kind of a lengthy quote, but bear with me. He said this. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house, and he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That's how Jesus works. He comes in to rearrange and to rebuild and to restructure our life based on his plan and what is best for our life because he knows what is best. He knows what we need. He knows the space we need. He knows how it needs to be set up in every one of our lives because we all have chambers in our heart that's full of secrets and full of compelling things that aren't right and don't always honor God, but Jesus is the kind of God who will come in and is full of unfailing love and faithfulness, who will remove the things we don't need and rebuild certain areas and, 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 and cause things that were dead to come alive again. That's the kind of God he is. He's that kind of person, Jesus. You know, the thing about Joseph is this, is that thankfully Matthew saw this. <clears throat> Most importantly, God saw this about Joseph, and it said that he was a good man. Other translations might say he was a just man. He was a just man. He was a good man. And because he was a good man and a just man, it said he didn't want to make a big public spectacle about this with Mary because here she comes telling him, Joseph, I got some news. I'm pregnant. But the father's not you. It's God. By the Holy Spirit. I mean, keep in mind, this ain't never happened. And it ain't ever happened again since then, and it sure ain't going to happen ever again. So don't let anybody ever tell you that they're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Unless that's that dude's name. He ain't too holy. I mean, some daddy might full, fill him full of holes, but he ain't too holy. <clears throat> yeah. And so here's the thing, Joseph had, was at a crossroads. Wow, my life is twisted and turned upside down. I mean, it's not what I thought it was. It, this is not what I planned. This is not how I, I had envisioned our life to start. And I mean, there's a lot of things. He had, his, he, had his, he had his name on the line, his reputation on the line. He had his business on the line. He was a carpenter. He had a lot of people look to him and, and need his service. And he was like, man, what am I going to do? And and he's like, here's the thing. The law says, well, I can stone her to death. Gee, thanks. But because he's a good man and a just man, he's like, no, I got to do this thing quietly. I, that'll bring way too much attention. That just isn't right. Here's what I might consider doing. I might give her the bill of divorce with two witnesses, but I'll tell those two witnesses, hey, keep it on the down low. Keep it hush-hush. I really, nobody can know. This thing has to go away fast. I can't, can't. This, nobody needs to know about this. So he was trying to think, what do I do in my life right now? What direction do I need to go? What is God's will here? What, what is my purpose now in life? 
All these questions, questions you and I ask at different crossroads of our life. And so it said that Joseph considered what he would do. That tells us this, that Joseph stopped and he said, you know what, I'm going to make room in my life to see what God would want. And we know that when, when, if we're honest, if we've ever stopped, when we've ever stopped and just let, you know, I'm going to let God determine what he wants. And I'm not going to try to make this happen or figure it out. I'm just going to make room in my life and let God come in and let God set the record straight and let God's will be done in my life. Well, that's what Joseph did. He stopped and he made room in his life to see what God would want. And we can learn a few things from him making room in his life and how it'll help shed some light in our dark world this Christmas. So I've taken the liberty with this, with this message and took, taken the word room and made it into an acronym. If you know me, I like to do stuff like that. I'm quirky that way. But making room in our life for Jesus allows us to do some things. It makes room in our life. Here's the thing. Here's what... What often is the, the, the flip side to that in, in, in most people's minds is this, is that when I make room in my life for God, then that means I'm not going to have much room left. And so that's why most people don't take the surrendered knee and the yielded heart to let God truly occupy everything because the mindset is this, well, if I do that, then man, there's not going to be room for anything that I want to do. And you'll be amazed. You'll find yourself when you make more room for Jesus, you'll actually want to do more things that pleases Jesus and less things that makes your flesh happy. Because here's the thing, he's actually going to end up making you happy. He's going to end up bringing contentment and joy and fulfillment into your life because he's not the cosmic joy sucker that this world makes him out to be. No, he's a good God. He's a good, loving, faithful God who supplies all our need in Christ Jesus. Amen? So let's look at the word room and break it down. Making room in our life for Jesus allows us to, first, R, remember our roots. Remember our roots. In verse 20, G Joseph fell asleep. And when he was asleep, he had a dream. And it said, the angel of the Lord said, Joseph, son of David. And as he began to expound and talk to him about what this whole situation meant, it allowed Joseph, as he made room in his life for, for Jesus, it allowed Joseph to remember his roots. The first 17 verses in Matthew's gospel, if you go back and read those, it's nothing but a genealogy. It says so-and-so came from so-and-so, so-and-so came from so-and-so, and so-and-so came from so-and-so. Basically, it's this right here. It says there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile of Babylon, and then 14 generations from the exile in Babylon to the Messiah. 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. But here's the thing you need to point out that we need to remember about this. And perhaps maybe Joseph saw this and was reminded of this when he was making room in his life and he was remembering his roots. Is this, is that he started thinking back to everybody who was in his family line, in his family tree. All the way, all the way back, of course, you've got the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but Jacob was not supposed to be there. It was supposed to be Esau according to the order of birth because Esau was the oldest and Esau was supposed to get the blessing of his father Isaac. But Jacob did what? Jacob deceived Esau and Jacob slid in and got that spot. 
So you got a deceiver listed up there with Abraham, Isaac, and, and right there, the third one mentioned in the line and lineage of Jesus in the history of Joseph's family is you've got a supplanter, a deceiver. Then you go on down a little bit further and you see a name by the name of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a harlot. But she slid into the family line of Jesus and of Joseph by the mercy of God. And she was just a few years, a few generations back from David. And then you have David who ended up having an affair with another person by the name of Bathsheba who's listed there, who's Solomon's mom. So you have, you have a deceiver, you have a prostitute, and you have, a, you have a, an adulterer. And then David didn't just have an adulterous affair. He also planned it to where Bathsheba's current husband at the time could get killed in battle. So you got one man who's, who did some pretty deep cover-up there. I'm talking like deep CIA, FBI cover-up stuff. And then if that's not enough, then you got the Babylonian exile where that was intended to actually squash out all of God's people, the nation of God. But there were some people who hung on and hung in there and kept hope and kept faith. And they carried on and you got another 14 generations there that come on the scene. And so Joseph is taking time. He's making room in his life for Jesus and it's causing him to, it's allowing him to remember his roots. So here he is thinking... Well, all these people back here before me had this kind of life and they did this and they did that and God still intervened and God still redeemed. And, and what he's starting to get is this picture. Well, Jacob then turned a corner and he opened his life up to God. Rahab turned a corner and opened her life up to God. Well, Bathsheba came around, David came around, opened their life up to God. And somewhere in the Babylonian exile when it was a very dark and difficult time for our people, there were people that turned and made room in their heart for God, so maybe what you're telling me in this dream is I need to make some room because the people who came before me weren't perfect, and I know this situation does not look perfect. It doesn't look right for my fiance to be pregnant, and it's not mine. It's somebody. It's God's. And how do I explain that for people to make for it to make sense and people to believe me? No, you got to believe me. This ain't mine. This is. God. Yeah, right, Joseph. Yeah, right, man. Yeah, I don't know how you're pulling that off, dude, but I don't, I don't buy it, man. I mean, that's all the stuff he's going to have to go through and deal with and contend with in family, man. you got a lot of rich cultural heritage. They just don't do that. But Joseph was making room in his life for Jesus, and it allowed him to remember, well, God could do all the work he did way back then and keep it alive through the generations and he wants me to be a part of this? Well, maybe I'm supposed to be a part of this. Maybe I'm supposed to open my life up and make room in my life for more of Jesus and much I don't understand, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's really going to bring me a lot, of, a lot of grief, and people aren't going to really look at me the same way anymore, and, and I don't really know how I'm going to explain all this, but, well, maybe, maybe I just need to do this because, you see, here's the thing. To do God's will, we're going to have to remember where we came from so that we can see where we're going. Today, you need to remember where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget those humble beginnings. Don't forget those dark days when you were without Christ and you had no direction and your life was messed up, when you were going through some painful memories of life. Don't forget where you came from. 
Because if you can remember where you came from and you can remember your roots, it'll help you to see where God wants to take you. Because you don't just go through anything for nothing. God has a purpose in all of it. And you need to remember where your roots are. And if you can remember where you came from, it'll sure make you appreciate where God is going to take you. Amen? Amen? I sure remember some roots in my life, and I remember some of the things and the trails and the paths that God has brought me through. And every now and again, I'll reminisce and remember some of those things, and it'll help me to be grateful for where I'm at, and it'll help me to give, it'll give me some hope and expectation for where God is going to take my life. Amen? Everybody say, make room. Make room for Jesus allows us to, oh, open our eyes to God's will. Open our eyes to God's will. Joseph fell asleep in a dream. Then it said Joseph woke up. What do you do when you wake up? Your eyes are open. But Joseph didn't just open his natural eyes. His eyes began to see God's will for his life. See, when we begin to remember where we came from, remember our roots, it answers the question, what direction does my life need to go? And then our eyes become open to see God's will, and it answers the question, what is God's will for my life? Anybody ever ask that question? God, what do you want from my life? Why am I here? What, do you, what will is it in, that you have for me? Maybe it's a certain situation. Maybe it's a certain season. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe it's with a problem. Maybe it's on your job. Maybe it's period your whole life. God, what is your will right here in my life? Consider these verses, Proverbs 21, 2. It says, people may be right in their own eyes, but it's the Lord that examines the heart. In Romans 12, too, the Apostle Paul writes, says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention or your eyes on God because then you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Or another translation, you'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you want to know God's will? Yeah, in general, there's this big will of his, but then he has wills for all of us. Jesus often prayed, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because, oh, come on, we got some strong wills, don't we? I mean, some of us got some strong-willed kids. Some of us are strong-willed adults. Some of us just got some strong wills. But we need to remember to pray, God, not my will, but your will be done. Because sometimes doing His will often causes us, well, always causes us to be humble. Always. So when we make room in our life for Jesus, it makes our eyes open. It gives us room to open our eyes to see what God's will. If you're ever in a place of darkness, confusion, and doubt, it's better to stay put and wait on the Lord and let Him open your eyes to see what it is He's trying to get you to see. I like to say it this way, when in doubt, don't go out. All right? I think we make this life a little more complicated than it is. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, it, that means, well, I need to know what God's will is here. 
and I don't need to do anything. And, and you might be ridiculed, ridiculed, chastised, might be told, well, you really don't know what you're doing in this world. That's okay, because sooner or later, God's going to reveal to me real quick, if I'm patient and I humble myself, he's going to open my eyes to see his will. Amen? It happens. He's faithful. He's not going to mislead you, misguide you, take you down some path, some road in this world that he doesn't want you to go. No, God's not going to do that. He's going to take you where he wants you. Amen? If you'll trust him and you believe that he, his will is better than your will. Amen? O, double O, making room in our life for Jesus allows us to O, operate in our God-given purpose. Operate in our God-given purpose. Joseph made room in his life, and it answers the question, well, God, what is my purpose? Why am I here on this earth? What have you created me for? Because God does not allow anybody to ever be born by accident or by happenstance. You need to know that you're here for a purpose in God. You and your kids, your children, those of you who are connected to one another, you're here for a purpose. And Joseph made, was making room in his life. What was his purpose? The angel said, well, your purpose right now is you're going to be a husband to Mary and then you're going to be a father to Jesus. It ain't real hard to figure out, Joseph, this is just how it's going to be. And if you'll make room in your life for Jesus, then you'll, be, you'll, you'll walk in your God-given purpose. We all have a purpose. I like what 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says. It says, the eyes of the Lord search this whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to God. And Romans 8, 28, one we often quote, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are actively engaged in His purpose for their life. Now here's the thing you need to remember, our God-given purpose we all have one. God will strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. God will cause everything to work out together for good for those who love God and those who are actively involved in their purpose for God. So if you love God and you're actively involved in your purpose, guess what? Every bad thing, God's going to use it in a way to turn it around for our good. We might not like the bad. We might not like the harm. We may not like the pain. We may not like the situation. I get that. I understand that. But here's the thing we need to remember. As we love the Lord and we believe in Him and we walk in our purpose that He has for our life, He's going to turn all of that bad around and make it good for us because He has a purpose involved. He has a purpose in mind. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a wayward, rebellious child. Maybe it was a demotion or you were fired. Maybe you had a miscarriage. Maybe you lost a little one at birth. Whatever it might be, maybe you went bankrupt. Maybe you had a heart attack. Maybe you had cancer and you had to go through all of that. Maybe you had double hip replacement or knee replacement and it's taking longer than you thought. Whatever it might be, there is a purpose involved if you will love God and you will serve Him with His purpose for your life. He'll take the bad and turn it around and make it good again. He has a way of doing it. The Bible's full of history of how he specializes in causing everything to work together for our good. And the thing to remember is that God is looking for people whose hearts are fully devoted to him because that's the ones he's going to strengthen. If your heart's fully devoted to God and you feel weak, you just hang on because God is coming and he's going to strengthen you. 
If your heart is to love the Lord, serve the Lord, follow the Lord, and be faithful in your purpose, just hang on because help is on the way. Man, I wish I could sing because I would go into that right now. <laughs> That'd be the, this is where we need the choir. Help is on the way. <laughs> Everybody seen the Preacher's Wife movie way back in the day? Whitney Houston. Help is on the way. I'm going to do it anyway. I just can't help. I might be looking like white on the outside, but I got a little chocolate on the inside. Karen can testify. <laughs> so who wants to join the choir? I won't be leading it. I just need a little help on the way. You might get overrun with people today, Jake. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, man. <laughs> but he will strengthen you. And the reason he's going to strengthen you is because you love him. And he knows, hey, when I strengthen them, they're not going to run wayward. They're not going to get off course. They're going to stay intact with my purpose for their life. Amen? And lastly, M. Making room in our life for Jesus allows us to move forward with Christ. It allows us to move forward with Christ. It answers the question, well, who holds my future? Who holds my future? God. We'll close with this right here. So Joseph moved forward with Christ. It said, after Jesus was born, he did what the angel told him, and he named Jesus. He took ownership. That's what a father does. A father takes ownership and names their children, or at least try to get an agreement you know, with the wife with the mother-to-be. <laughs> but Je the angel already, already told Joseph, hey, you're going to name him Jesus. So Mary's like, well, okay, if the angel said it, then that's what it's going to be, Jesus. So, but he took ownership. He got involved. He invested. He went fully in, and he made room for Jesus. And here's what happened. It allowed him to move forward. Because Joseph was stuck. Come on, let's face it. Joseph was flat out stuck. Anybody ever felt stuck? Man, you ever felt like, God, if you don't do something, I sure don't know what I'm going to do. I know I might have done this to myself, but if you will just help me out. <laughs> right? Come on now. Right? I, I know I made that poor choice. I got fast in my decision, and I shouldn't have done that and got in that. And, oh, Lord, but if you'll get me out of this. He only knows if you mean it. Right? He really, he's the only one who knows if you mean it. Sometimes he's just going to get you out just to say, look, I got you out. Then next time, Lord, I know I got myself back in this. <laughs> he's going to say, remember last time? Yeah. But then sometimes it just, ha life happens, and it's not anything we can do about it. It's just a curveball came, and man, we swung and missed, and we fell. Joseph was in a bad spot. He had a good heart. You might have a good heart, but you might just be in a bad spot. You might find yourself in crossroads. You might find yourself in a debacle, in a place where I don't really like what I'm seeing. Surely, God, you got a better plan. Surely, Lord, you have a greater purpose in mind.
You know what's really sad about some things sometimes in life? Is that sometimes us people, we move too fast. And we try to get out of uncomfortable situations too quick. And we don't really see the salvation hand of God. It doesn't mean we're going to have to stay in that predicament forever. But we don't always make room for God to work. Joseph, thank God he made room. Because Jesus, Jesus was coming. And God said, Joseph, I want to use you. Joseph, I know what my plan is, and you may not all understand it, but if you will trust me in this, and you will just make some room in your life for me, I'm going to show you this is really all going to be good. And I like what the Apostle Paul says right here in Philippians 3, talking about the future moving forward. Everybody say, make room. He said this, he said, he said, I focus on this one thing. This is a good thing to focus on. He said, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. I mean, he says some powerful things. He said, this is how I, he said, this is how I get myself to move forward with the Lord. He said, I forget the past. I just have to forget it. What about you today? What parts of your past do you need to forget? You know, the enemy, he's real clever at bringing up the bad parts of our past. I mean, he, he's good at that. I'll give him that. But you know who's even better than him? is Jesus is better at it because he removed that sting of the past from our present. And he opens wide the door for us to move forward with him. Paul said, this one thing, this is, how I get, this is how I get my life going forward. When I feel like, man, it's going backwards, he said, I just go ahead and I make a decision. I forget the past. Some of us here today, we need to forget our past. The Lord says, you've been carrying it too long. It's been dangling in your rearview mirror too many days. It, it was real, it happened, and it might have been hard and painful. But the Lord wants you to know this Christmas season, that if you're going to move forward, you're going to have to forget the past. You're going to have to put it all back at the cross and let it stay there. Don't come to the cross with whatever and then walk away with it still in your hand. Leave it. Leave it. Paul said, I, I don't just forget the past, but then also I do this. He said, I, I look forward to what lies ahead. I look forward to, to what lies ahead. I think that says a couple things. It says, one, I look forward as in an expectation kind of way, an anticipation. Boy, I really look forward to tonight. I'm looking, I'm excited. But he also says, it's not just an anticipation of what's up in front. It's also this, I intentionally make myself focus on what is in front of me. 
though we see in a mirror dimly right now, and we don't all understand what the future holds per se on this side, we still must look forward to what God has in front of us. Because if we'll stay focused on what lies ahead, our life won't move backwards and it won't stand still. Our life will progress and we'll be able to move forward in Christ. There are things in our life today that prohibit you and I from moving forward because we keep looking back. And friend, you know, you can't drive a car if you're looking back. You can't go forward. You're going to crash. You're going to get off course. And you'll never make it. Plus, your insurance will go up. <laughs> then Paul said, look, I also press on. Now, here's where it gets interesting. He said, I press on to finish the race. Picture this in your mind. It's a, He's saying, look, I'm tired, I'm weary, and I'm drained. But man, I, I'm going to make myself move forward, so I press on. That tells us that there is resistance. That tells us that inside, there inside of us, there is this battle going on in our mind. And on the external, there's this battle going on with the pressure that comes against us. But he says, no matter what, man, I'm not going to give up because I, I'm going to press on. I'm going to push myself forward. I'm going to make myself go forward. And some of you are here today, you know God is saying you need to press on. Some of you have felt like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of sit here, coast here, hang out here, plateau right where I'm at because I feel safe. You know, I'm not kind of rocking the boat. I'm not kind of messing with the past or dealing with the future. I'm just going to kind of hang right here. And the Lord says, look, I have something greater for you in front of you, but you'll never get it if you don't decide right now in this moment of your life that you're going to press on. And the Lord says, you're going to find greater strength greater victory that if you will just get up and you will let go and you will begin to take steps and make yourself go forward spirit soul and body press on press on and he says lastly I press on I look ahead I do this one thing because I'm going to receive the prize I'm going to receive the heavenly prize that God is calling me to in Christ Jesus. Whatever you do, don't let anybody or anything take from you what God wants to give you. God has prize for you. God in Christ Jesus has prizes for you. Some of them you'll get on this earth. Some of them you'll experience here. But there's a whole lot that you don't see and we don't, that I don't see and I don't even know about. But God is preparing a place for us, a room for us in his big mansion. And there are prizes, crowns waiting for you and I based on our life here. So don't let anybody stand in the way of your heavenly prize. I mean, come on there, if you could see it, if I could show you a picture of the heavenly prize, I would show it to you and you'd be like, dang, that's what's waiting for me? Shoot, no, the devil is a liar. People ain't always on my side, but I'm going to go with the ones who are going to go with me and I'm going to take what's got, what God has for my life. 
that I'm not going to hold back, I'm not going to sit back, and I'm not going to play dead anymore. No, I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to press on and look forward to what lies ahead because I'm going to get what God has for me. I'm going to get what God has for me. There's a prize with your name on it. And God, through Christ, is going to stand there and be excited that when you cross over and you enter in through the pearly gates and however it works and you get there and He gives it to you, He's going to be like, this is who I've been waiting for. The time. Hey, everybody, pay attention because I want to put this crown on this head right here. There's a heavenly prize awaiting you and me. Man, sin ain't worth it. The temptations of our flesh, they pale in comparison. Don't let your life get caught up in a whirlwind of craziness that this world tries to bring you. Don't get caught up in office talk gossip. Don't get caught up and tripped up in a jacked up relationship. Don't get tricked into cheating on your test if you're a student. Because God says, look, you're ruining what I have for you. You are allowing the trophy, the prize to tarnish that I want to give you. Paul had that picture. Paul had that in his mind. And he was making sure anybody he could tell, he said, this one thing, man, this is how I move forward with Christ. I'm going to receive my prize eventually. But I'm going to forget the past, look forward, and press on. And man, I'm going to get what God has for me. That's not selfish. That's not arrogant. Because in God's house, there's all kinds of room for all of us. And there's a table that has many seats to sit all of us. And he has all kinds of prizes that he wants to give out to his kids who make it. And I want to see you there. I hope you want to see me there. I want to see you make it. That's why I pray for you. That's why I call you. That's why sometimes I drive you nuts and ask you, where you been? Not because I'm trying to get in your business and I, I just want everybody to be at church. And I want you to get your prize. But you got to want it more than I want it. I got to want it more than whatever. And God wants it more for us than any one of us. There's a prize. Let's stand our feet.